This podcast is part of the TrekSphere network. To find more Star Trek-related content, visit treksphere.com. <laughs> That's what we call a transition. Yes, a fantastic segue. You ever ridden a segue? Uh, no. The best I've done is um, the, the motorist. Walked? <laughs> uh, not looked like a tool, so. <laughs> How do we start talking about segue? Why did you bring it up? <laughs> uh, because all we're doing is talking about things that are unrelated to Star Trek. Oh, right. Well, maybe we should stop that. As you know, this is the measure of an episode where it is our continuing mission to explore what makes Star Trek genuine Star Trek and not just really good TV. Oh. Really good, solid, enjoyable television. Yeah. I'm Paul. And I'm Jonathan. And I was going to say um, the what the wrap-up of Lost should have been. Um, but we do this wow. with three criteria. The first one is, is there sci-fi inextricably integrated into the plot of the episode. Uh, the second one, is that sci-fi novel or unique? And the third one is, is there a moral or ethical dilemma that a character must face? I'm Jonathan. And I'm Paul. And this week we watched Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 10. Oh, yeah. The Stars at Night. are big and bright. Which now that I think about that, I don't know why it's called that. Because um, it's the heart of Texas. Like the song is. The- oh, the stars. Da, da. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. Clap, 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 clap. Deep in the heart of Texas. Um, do you know why I know that song? <laughs> Probably for the same reason you do. Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but I never knew like the the first two little lines that he says. He I have no idea what they are because he just sort of runs over them. Right. I could have done <laughs> <laughs> but it works yeah i wonder if you could go down there and do that i feel like at this point yes i would imagine in like Probably. those first like five or ten years after the movie came out you couldn't because you got beat up for it <laughs> just get shot yeah <laughs> <laughs> at least it worked all right the blurb in this season three finale the Cerritos crew must prove their worth in a mission race which is weird because that's kind of like not what the I guess it is. I guess it's not the race that they're talking about specifically, although there is a race in it. But it's the race against obsolescence. Right. Right. That's the theme, if you will, of this episode. Yeah. And uh, boy, am I sad. Do you know why I'm sad? Can you predict why I'm sad? Um... Who's my favorite character in the show? I'll give you a better one. Who's my favorite admiral in the show? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, buen amigo. Right. And Buen Amigo turns out to be uh, Mal Amigo. Yeah, right? right? Yeah. It's very sad. He just kind of flips immediately to being a bad guy. Yeah, and then like he <laughs> kind of leaned hard into it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought what I liked about this was they leaned into – they made changes. They didn't stick to their formula, I guess, which I liked. It didn't feel like a Lower Decks episode, which I liked, but right. it still felt one, like one. Yeah, right? yeah. It wasn't just hijinks on the ship. Mm-hmm. It felt like something happened. Although I guess in all of the – we've seen two other season closers and they all kind of escalate to critical mass. And then happily reset by the end of the episode. Except for the season they two did. finale. Season two finale actually did end on a cliffhanger with uh, Freeman being arrested. Season one and season three, they both had these huge stakes and then somebody pulled a Hail Mary and it was actually Shaq's both times. Um, managed to save the day. 
And he saved the day again. Yeah. Without sacrificing himself, which is nice. Right. He was so happy. And I was so happy for him. I know. <laughs> it was great. Well, it was, it's like, it's like, what if, you know, what if Worf was allowed to, if everybody listened to Worf, you know? I got, I wasn't sure if I was inferring too much from that. No, Shaq's always suggests he, emptying the war, uh, abandoning the warp core. But is that sort of taking the place of warp, of warp, of Worf always suggesting they fire phasers and photon torpedoes? I, I think it originally was, yes. But as Shaq's right. okay. developed over the seasons, like that's just kind of the character who he is. Right. Okay. Okay, I have a question for you. I don't know if I'm late to the party on this one. Okay. But it seemed like it was subtext. These new ships that Buen Amigo has been working on. Mm-hmm. And they are Texas class, right? Yeah. Meaning they're autonomous. But I think the fact that they named them Texas is because Texans or Texas itself has been very pro-gun and very typically conservative for the most part. And they are warships. And also the flagship of the Texas class is called the Alito. Uh, and is that perhaps a subtext of Justice Alito, who has certainly made the news <laughs> lately? Right. If you if you've been paying attention as sort of a conservative stalwart, so am I? Am I just saying what everybody else knows, or am I am I grasping at straws? Um, no, I don't think I don't think you're grasping at straws. I I, I don't know if that has been actively addressed. Um, but just like the California class had. All of the ships being different cities in California. Alito is a city in Texas. Okay, so that's probably not a reference to Justice Alito. But out of all the cities that they chose, they chose Alito, so maybe right. it is. It's not spelled the same, uh, so I don't know. It just felt like right. because – although they would have written the script a very long time ago. Certainly not. Yeah, but that's an easy last-minute change. No, because it's written on the side of the mm. animation. I guess that's true, yeah. I don't, we'll never know, because all of the writers are dead. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were all fired. Yeah, and they were given NDAs. <laughs> they wiped their memories. Right. So uh, they did something very interesting in this show, which is they that showed was a, reference a little bit off, of. By the way, how uh, Rutherford was his memory was wiped. Like, did, you, oh, did you watch the episode? I wasn't even, I wasn't even paying attention. Uh, sorry, I missed your reference. It was a good reference. Bajoran. Prophets. It wasn't. It wasn't your fault. It was my fault. Okay. <laughs> now i forgot what i was gonna say <laughs> all right well let's see what we're watching next <laughs> oh sorry so, Deep space nine. okay so they they did something very interesting in the show yeah they showed a little bit we got a very quick run through of what a second contact would be and maybe they've done this before in the show but the idea was that they were going to race against the texas class and see who could do second contact fastest. Uh-huh. Which is I mean, I it they took it so seriously. Like there was no jokes. Right. Well No joke, so f- no joke. For me, the joke was how like second contact is supposed to kind of be like, hey, how's everything going? You know, like these are what what can we help with? What are some upgrades you guys need? You know, like what's some guidance, blah, blah, blah. And the first planet they land on, you know, they <laughs> They're like getting ready. And they're like, okay, upgrade these systems. Go, go, go. Like, <laughs> and they, well, the only joke was that on their first planet that they go to, 
the race comes out and says, uh, hello, we are very fortunate. And they just, they just kind of steamroll over them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and just to get all the stuff done. And I wonder, I mean, because it just seems like a ridiculous premise that who can do first or second contact fastest. Mm-hmm. Because I actually had this, when Buen Amigo was talking to the, the council and he was saying, the Texas class can do second contact better than the California class. And I originally thought that the Texas class was just going to be for protection because it's just like a warship. Right. Mm-hmm. And why would you give – like why would why do you need or how would you accomplish something like second contact that requires some diplomacy uh-huh. and et cetera right. Right. to talk to people? And I was like, this is stupid. Why would you ever assume that that could be handled by just a computer? Mm-hmm. So – and then they did this kind of ridiculous race, and I, I didn't quite know where they were going. Like it seemed like it was sort of a tenuous plot line at best that the Texas class was going to replace it. I don't know. Did you not have this? Do, do I think too much about these episodes? No, I, I I had kind of the same reaction. You know, it was like even when Tendi found the microbial life, you know, on the second planet, and they all stopped. I my my thought was kind of how the episode ended anyway. I was like, well. The the Alita is like out of the the running now anyway because they didn't do first contact properly, let alone second contact. Yeah, I mean it was cool that they could beam in. <laughs> the Texas class could literally beam in <laughs> finished things. Yeah, things that wouldn't fit in the starship anyway. Right. So that's pretty cool. And I like that when they beam them in, they beam them in like it's a SimCity game. And it just kind of like they beam them in about a foot off the uh-huh. ground. And just so have it come crashing down. Right. And everything's fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did like that. That was pretty cool. That seems like technology that everybody could use because we can just stop building things and just beam them in whenever, wherever we want them. Well, just as you, just as you can have, you know, transporters go on a, a buffer loop, essentially – you know, or whatever it's called, where the person is just waiting to have their transport completed. It makes right. sense. It's like a never-ending colonoscopy where you're just <laughs> always asleep. Right. Is that what you mean? Well, no. So I don't – like it makes sense that you would be able to have something completely built in an area that's too large for a spaceship and or for a starship and then beam it up. But don't finish the transport. Just keep it in the ship's logs. And then go wherever you need to with that information and finish the tra- the the, tele- the transport wherever you were. Wherever oh, you I see. Go. So I, I thought that it was sort of materializing. It was sort of replicating it as it was beaming it in. Yeah, that was the impression I got too. But you're right in that there could be a ship that was just all transporter buffer. Yeah. And you could literally move continents of city to another planet if you wanted to with enough of these – giant ships like there was just an ad not an ad i just read a story about somebody who'd gotten their hands on a netflix data node which is basically like a giant server machine and it had something like 278 terabytes of data in it and it was just for storing all your favorite movies right and that's kind of like you know that that giant like 10 by 10 box right probably not 10 by 10 it's probably like Three by three, ten by ten, this gigantic car of a computer. Uh, but that kind of thing, where you like, it is specifically to hold data. It's not meant to play games or to word process, right? Or to get on Netscape Navigator, right? You know, it's meant it's meant to do one thing, and that's what these ships would be doing. Mm-hmm. And that would be cool. In fact, 
That is the novel science fiction for me in today's episode. I feel like we need a sound effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Because that's pretty novel. We've not seen that. I mean, they we've seen people beam stuff that's not people before. Uh-huh. In fact, I would think that, that would be way easier for the computer to beam. Inorganic than, stuff? Yeah, I would say so. Especially because they need to continue living after they rematerialize. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what do you think about that now that I've broached the subject of it being the novel science fiction? I was going to say, yeah, I think it would be easier for a ship to transport <laughs> inorganic things. Um, yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. That, it's a, that. that the novelty is the, what you said. Sorry, what did you, you say? You weren't listening at all. <laughs> I did, but then I started thinking about the joke, and I forgot what you said originally. <laughs> that they can beam stuff. That they're that they're beaming giant finished buildings. I, I mean, it's it's hard to tell actually how big those yeah. Texas class ships are. Right, that's fair. So it's unclear if they are pre built inside of the ship or mm. if they're just materializing. No, they said they said something along the lines of you know, Captain, they're they're. Tra- they're they're teleporting finished structures yeah or finished like structures that. like yeah. a half built generator or something or you know half of a fully built generator right um from finland <laughs> well yeah because usually they're packed flat to pass the savings on to you um so it was very surprising <laughs> um but i i wish i could remember that line um but that's that's the gist of what they said i guess the yeah the, the specificness of what they said is right. important but, i mean i think what the line the line was it did imply that it was already finished right i don't know how that's possible well and yeah and that was shocking but i i'm i think about like the the episode of next generation where they beamed up that whole area of all living things that was like in the middle of a storm and also the the irish one where they beamed up like that whole farm and put them in the cargo bay to make sure that like they weren't overly surprised by the technology or something i'm trying to remember if there's been any right like any kind of thing like that Mm -hmm. i don't really know if they're and I don't I, – I genuinely don't think so. I think the most that they've done is like a tractor pull of something of immense size to somewhere else and not not actually teleport it. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that this is something that – We haven't seen before? We haven't seen before yeah. or at least on that scale. Right. Because it, there's, that was a huge thing mm-hmm. and I don't think there's anything that would fit on the – because the, the Texas-class ships are smaller. Right. So – because they don't need people and bathrooms. Yeah, actually, I didn't. Bunks. I I didn't think about the fact that it would need to be smaller because people weren't in it. I'm sure most of a ship is to you know clean up after humans. Right, right. By force, if necessary. <laughs> the bathroom makes you go to the bathroom. <laughs> no, remember we already talked about this. They just teleport the shit out of you. <laughs> oh yeah, man, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? How many times are you going to sleep or? Wake up and you have to use the bathroom and you really don't want to get out of bed. And you can just be like, boop. Right. But there's a malfunction and it just beams half of your intestines out <laughs> by mistake. <laughs> right. I mean, think about the the process that that, like the number of lives lost of trying <laughs> well, to fine tune. To me, it's kind of like when when LASIK first came out, mm-hmm. people were like, uh, it's it would be really convenient to not have to wear glasses. But in terms of wearing glasses Versus potential blindness forever. Right. You know, that's the same calculus that I think the people of the future would be making of like, is it really that inconvenient to get out of bed versus beaming out all of my intestines? Right. (laughs) Of having to 
carry around a bag for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> Not just any bag. Right. <laughs> a very special bag. But at the same time, like I feel, I feel like it could be fine-tuned to the point of finding the inorganic material in your body and around a certain area and just beaming all of that out. Yeah. Like there, there goes not only your waste, but there goes cancer. Like, and I, I would imagine that that's a big part of how that's done. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't. They, they don't go into that of how they cure cancer in the future. Right. Well, obviously, because <laughs> like, people nowadays are taking notes. Like, oh, that's how it's done. Like, of course. <laughs> well, shit. We did the flip phone way before flip phones, right? We is in Star Trek. Is an I. I have now just assimilated myself into. That. <laughs> Flip flown is is I mean why can't cancer be next? <coughs> Here's my guess about that. Okay. Here's our cancer corner <laughs> for the episode. Our medical minute. I don't think uh I, I think that part of it, it probably not all of it. This is not curing, this is preventative. Okay. I think that the food that they eat is probably just jam packed full of nutrition. Mm, that's fair. It's not something yeah. that they grow antioxidants the or specifically. Like yeah. Or just anything. Right. Like all, everything and every like Anything that you eat has is like a supplement, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. No matter what you no matter what you eat is is gives you all everything that you need. So that in and of itself would probably knock cancer out. They say that like ten to twenty percent of cancer is genetic, and the rest is environmental or uh, lifestyle. Right. So yeah, that makes sense. Theoretically, eighty percent of cancer could be gone just by just if you just get enough nutrition and don't smoke it's just funny how you know authors and writers just come up with the like what's the most futuristic thing you can think of that's like could be science-based but not anytime soon and it sparks the readers and their scientific minds to actively go out and make that a reality yeah it's not that it's not that Star Trek was predicting anything. No. It's like we think this is where it's going to be. It's like, no, the people that watched Star Trek thought that was cool and they wanted to go make it. Right. Right. And it's kind of fun that like that is why the flip phones were one of the first phones, you know, first portable mobile devices to to be because it was like Star Trek. Yeah. The Razor. Remember the Razor? Mm-hmm. Still exists, by the way. It's still out there. I know. It's now full touchscreen, which is pretty cool. Well, yeah, so I held one of those flip phones. Mm-hmm. That are not flip, whatever they're called, like whatever they're calling them with the foldable right. thing where the whole thing is like the screen itself folds. Mm-hmm. There's no hinge. Mm-hmm. And I immediately was like, what problem is this solving? Why do I need to close this? It doesn't, it's like super thick. Right. First of all. When it's, it's closed. like a razor. When it's closed, yeah. super thick. Mm-hmm. And it's not that much smaller. It's not like, oh, like finally I can fit. You know, a microwave in my pocket. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not that it doesn't take up that much less room. And all it does, if you want to interact with your phone, adds a step. The one I don't, I don't think the Razer has this, but I think the the Samsung one does. It's not just a touch screen on the inside, but there's a touch screen when you fold it too. Right. It's, it has a screen on the other side of it. Yeah. But again, my phone doesn't need that because it's just always on in the front, right? Right. I, so I, I think the idea is um, it's basically to combine like the Apple Watch and the phone together. So you don't have to open and unlock your phone 
to see what's happening. What? So you keep it on your wrist. Right. The giant. <laughs> I mean, they're going to try to make gauntlets a thing again. What's a gauntlet? It's the forearm cover. The forearm, like, brace that they had in medieval times. Oh, those are cool. Right? But no, I just realized about Apple Watches, like, it's just a fancier pager. Like, you use it basically to check your text messages, which is what pagers evolved to. Do you remember that? I don't, I never had a pager. I kind of was born too late for that. Um, anyway. Yeah, so that, that actually, all of that um, convinces me that, yes, that is, that is the novel sci-fi in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice little button on it. I like that. So I think that this uh, this episode, once again, kind of demonstrates that Freeman is not a great captain. Yeah, it's just it's as the it's as the writers see fit. I don't know. They, they showed her as being impulsive. Like she wants to do this race and that she wants to win. Like she's super competitive, too. Right. Actually, you know what? I don't think it's Freeman. You think there's a captain behind the scenes? I no, I think that she's she just like uh, Rutherford. She's been manipulated in some way because you're right. Like this captain is very different in season three than she was from the first two seasons. And when we didn't see her was when she was arrested. And so I think oh, that's interesting. That's interesting. I like that. Yeah. So I, I think like that, that there's I think that there's something going on with Freeman that the audience knows nothing about yet. It's possible she does seem a little bit more. Uh, at her wit's end. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe being arrested will do that, and that's really all it is. But I mean, she was arrested for five minutes, right? But she wasn't. It's not like she did hard time for fifteen years, right? That's true. <laughs> it was like a week, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a short amount of time. This is true. Yeah, I think that she's one of these characters that just is what the episode needs her to be. Right, but she, but you're right. Like this, the character from this season is such a stark contrast from the first two seasons, right? You know, she was a lot more level-headed. She was a lot more her her decisions were a lot more well-rounded and not impulsive. The only person who got under skin was Mariner, and it doesn't seem like Mariner has influenced the rest of the crew, and that's what's driving Freeman crazy. Like it just well, you just said like it it just seems like the writers needed her to be more impulsive and more short-fused. Yeah. Well, the problem with this episode is that it didn't cliffhang anything. Right. Nothing. That I can remember. Yeah. It just ended like this was the last episode of the whole show. Mm-hmm. Although there was a cliffhanger. Did you see the the post credit scene? No, I didn't know there was one. Yeah. What did it do? Um, Rutherford's helmet from uh, season one that he lost in the explosion that killed Shax. That got tractor beamed and it showed that uh, Badgie was still inside it. And Badgie, I don't know if you remember or not, but became quite murderous. Okay. I like that they're bringing it back. Yep. So, so yeah, so that was kind of the tag at the end. Another part I didn't like about this episode was the Scooby-Doo confession by Buen Amigo. Yeah. It just felt very, like I was kind of expecting there to be a little bit more drawn out process of getting him to admit all of these things or, or them discovering all of the evidence, et cetera. Right. And doing it over an intercom too. Yeah. But he just lays it out all on the table. Yeah. He just, <laughs> he shares it for everybody over the intercom, like, or, you know, over the comm system. He- <laughs> It's like he didn't realize he was in the 25th century or whatever. Right, like, right. Yeah, I didn't like it. I just felt like, oh, God, they, this whole episode, like he went from being the chummy admiral mm-hmm. to villain Yeah, almost immediately. Well, and mustache twirling villain. His reason for doing so, I could see him becoming zealous about it, you know, and kind of 
being less and less concerned about the the side effects and consequences if it meant that his mem- that his name would be remembered but not to the point where he is going to maniacally explain what his plan is yeah it felt like murder she wrote scooby doo whatever yeah you know yeah colombo exactly that that would have been amazing though <laughs> like just somebody's like oh by the way one more thing <laughs> yeah. i know you've sat through an hour and a half of me seeming like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> but here's just five more minutes. Right. <laughs> uh, okay, I want to talk about something. Something science-y. I am the person to talk to about that. I know. That's why I brought it up. Firing phasers. I was going to say shooting phasers. That was just so... <laughs> shooting pew-pews. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you're at warp and firing torpedoes. And I know this yes! there's lots of precedent for this. Yes. <laughs> But I feel like this wouldn't work. Right. You're just going to shoot it right back into your own cannon. (laughs) I mean, I don't think – so the way warp works – let me get this straight. You tell me where I'm wrong. The way warp works is you're not actually going anywhere. You're effectively bending the space in front of you to compress Mm -hmm. or – you're not creating wormholes where you're you're tunneling through space, but you're – essentially compressing space and then crossing over that kind of like a, an accordion. Right. So this doesn't exist as a concept in practice yet. Right. I mean, I think the math makes sense, but that you need like some gargantuan amounts of energy to make it work. Right. In real life. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's how it works in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So I think if you were both traveling at precisely the same amount of warp, which means that you are compressing the amount of space exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, then shooting phases would be fine. That's my understanding. Shooting because you're both moving at the same speed. Well, not only are you moving, so you'd have to be close enough together that your warp bubbles would would be connected. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, I, I don't know what would happen if you were a football field away from somebody or whatever. The you know what I mean? Right. Because you're if you both started at the same time and your warp speed was exactly the same, if that was even possible. Mm-hmm. Uh. Would there be a problem? But let's. But that's impossible because in this particular episode, the Texas class ships are chasing them. Right. Which we've and, seen before. Right. We've seen before. So they're going at a faster warp, or not faster because it doesn't work that way. Right. But they have a higher warp factor than the Cerritos, and so they're gaining. Like, would you even be able to see them? And the idea that they're would their phasers just pass through the Cerritos? Because they are doing like I don't, or would they tear the Cerritos apart? Because they're compressing. Sp- no, they wouldn't tear them apart because their space would just be compressed. Right, right. And I don't, I don't know if this is ever explained. My, my perception is that it it should not work because because of what I said. Like you have a warp bubble around the ship that is causing the the space to to bend around it as it's moving. Like it doesn't create a tunnel of bent space. You know, there's something about how it's condensing the space around it to make it move through space at a faster rate. And so if you fire off phasers, photon torpedoes, whatever, it would travel ahead of you until it got out of your bubble. And then it would essentially stop. Yeah, it it would either stop where you would hit it or it would stay in that area that you had just passed and it would continue moving. I think because the warp factors are exponential. Uh Uh-huh. That's what factor means. I don't know if that literally is what that means. That's what I took it to mean. Okay. If someone if someone ahead of you was going at warp eight and 
they were directly behind you, or sorry, directly in front of you, and you were going at warp 8.01, or let's say Mm 8.1, and you fired a phaser at them, that phaser would be exponentially longer. Right. (laughs) Like it would look like in Spaceballs when the ship passes over them, it's it's just just like impossibly long ship. Right. But I think you're right. It would need they would need to be sharing space or warp bubbles. But no one's ever really explained this. This why if someone is going at a different warp speed, can they fire weapons at you? Right. Yeah. Anyway, you did not answer my question. No, I know, and I'm sorry. It's a, it's a great question that I don't think has an answer. Well, we kind of created our own answer, didn't we? I, I guess, but it, you need to be in the warp bubble. Right. But if you shot something. So the second it left your warp bubble, it would just go into normal space. It wouldn't cross the bubbles. So you're right in that if you're going at different warps and if you're not sharing bubbles, it, like you're, you can't fire at people. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's like trying to throw a wadded up piece of paper across two cars going 80 miles an hour on the freeway. Right. So I guess we settled that, didn't we? Star Trek is bullshit. <laughs> They've just been feeding us lies for 60 years. It's all bullshit. Did you notice uh, in the final battle scene that the music was super Star Trek, like Wrath of Khan, yes, James Horner? Yes. Genuine comment. Um, it's probably because the, the music, for me, fit the scene. Um, the Where the music actually stood out for me, where I was like, this is really cinematic music for not a lot happening, uh, was in Prodigy. <laughs> But yeah, just so you know, we're going to do Prodigy 2, so you should all go watch it. Yeah, with two, two brand new episodes released this week. We're doing uh, we're doing two episodes. One of them will be slightly longer than the other. Uh, we'll let you figure that out by looking at the time length. <laughs> and the age requirement for the show. <laughs> but as long as we're addressing the audience directly, everybody go rate the show. As high as possible. Not Star Trek, our, our podcast, please. Well, Star Trek too, because we like that there's a resurgence of Star Trek. But more importantly, the measure of an episode, wherever you get your podcast, rate it as high as possible because it helps us keep the light on. And if you want to support us even more, if you want to really help us keep the lights on, head on over to Patreon. You can give us a, a buck, maybe two bucks. We'll release episodes that don't have any ads in them, those pesky ads that nobody likes to to listen to get the get the episodes early and we have a goal we're going to do start doing commentaries of all the movies if we get a certain number of of subscribers do you subscribe on patreon i think you do is that what the word is i think so yeah is that the nomenclature um so yeah please do us a favor if you like the show enough tell your friends that's another big one tell your friends jonathan have you told a friend I have watch. Yeah. Okay. So you've done your part. I've told a friend on my part. That's all it takes. Well, and so I'm going to, I'm going to take it one step further. If you become a Patreon member and you share this podcast with a friend and that friend emails us and says, Hey, I was referred by this person. And so those two things have to be checked off. They, they told us that you referred them and you are a Patreon member. You will get our first measure of an episode merch, which is a t-shirt. It's going to be a t-shirt. That says polo on it, but <laughs> but polo stands for. <laughs> but it's actually Picard playing polo in his youth, right? You have That's to look really close. But you can see icon it. Is. No, um, you will you will get our first uh, measure of an episode uh, merchandise shirt. Um, I don't want to spoil what it is, but if you've been listening to our podcast, you should know what it is. So so yeah, share with a friend and um, sign up for Patreon and get stuff.
Get stuff. What if the t-shirt just said that? Get stuff? <laughs> no, I got stuff. <laughs> On the back, it would say right here. <laughs> I got your stuff right here. <laughs> <laughs> A new start. <laughs> There's a deep cut. Anybody get that one? We'll never know. If you got that one, send us an email. I was going to promise a shirt, but that's not shirt worthy. <laughs> you, yeah, well, we, we really can't give two shirts. Well, even though, okay, so even though we just said what we're watching next, what are we watching next, Jonathan? Uh, well, we are watching uh, Prodigy Season 1, Episode 11. Uh, it was called Asylum. Yep. And you know what's funny is that I, uh, I looked for several minutes for Season 2. Right. Of Prodigy. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, it's not out yet. The question is, will it be out? When when somebody actually finally listens to this? Uh, No, like, will Prodigy make it to season two? Well, if they just keep it at season one and just, you know, season one, episode 39. <laughs> like He-Man. Right, they just keep breaking it up, yeah. Um, they can never be canceled. Yeah. Uh, so the blurb states for Asylum... Um, at the edge of Federation space, the crew applies for asylum at Deep Space 13, only for their starship to reveal its shocking true purpose. Let's go watch it. I've been Paul. I've been Jonathan. And this has been the measure of an episode. It's funny. I, I had one while watching the episode. I was like, oh, I could do that one. And now I don't remember what it was. Sweet story. I know. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Maybe we should leave that one. That's it. <laughs> But you already knew that. Now, was that Admiral Buenamigo or was that the AI on the Texas class ships? Uh, which one was it? Listeners, let us know.